Welcome to Evolutions Weekly, where we dive into the details of our many periodic revolutions, elections. I'm your host Alvin, and today we're finally going to be closing off our five-part series on the 2021 Indian state elections by talking about a little union territory known as Pondicherry. Now, you know, in keeping with the theme that we've had in the last two weeks, we're still in South India, don't get me wrong, but we're not in any one particular region because Pondicherry as a territory is kind of like essentially spread all over the place. So, you know, most of Pondicherry is in Tamil, next to Tamil Nadu, but then there's also parts of it in Kerala and there's also parts of it in Andhra Pradesh. So basically, what is Pondicherry? It's like what language do they speak and things like that, in case you don't know. So Pondicherry essentially was French India. So, you know, in, in the same way, you know, most of India was, of course, colonized by the British. But, of course, as you kn- you might know, Goa is colonized by the Portuguese, and Pondicherry is colonized by the French. Now, I've personally been to Pondicherry, so, you know, so there's definitely a lot of French influences there. But anyway, so basically, eventually, India got the territory, and basically, until from then until now, it's basically a union territory. Now... I keep saying union territory, but what exactly makes a union territory different from a state? I'll go around that through quickly. So basically, the main difference is like, well, basically a union territory is ruled almost directly by the central government. Of course, not it's not direct rule, but the central government does has a, have a lot of jurisdiction in regards to the running of the territory. So another example of a union territory probably be like, the capital region of Delhi, and now also Jammu and Kashmir. That's just some examples. But anyways, so in terms of the legislative assembly, we're just talking about an assembly with different rules, essentially. Just a little bit here and there. So I think it's like, just for example, you know, there's nominated seats. So this is something you don't see in other states. And in this case, we have three nominated seats. And because Pondicherry is a much smaller territory, it's essentially only like, a city basically and for like 90 like 90 percent of it is one city so you basically only talking about about 30 seats and again like i said three nominations by the government of india and this will be a bit important in a bit i'll show you how and you know instead of like a governor there's a lieutenant governor which you know unlike the governor in other states had just has more overreaching powers and it's essentially the representative of the central government in these particular territories but anyways, now that we've got that out of the way, let me just tell you what's gonna what's going on in this particular election. And you know, what's kind of like the political dynamics of this Union territory. So anyways, we have two alliances basically. And this one's a bit more familiar. Uh, it's gonna be the UPA, the United Progressive Alliance, versus the NDA, the National Democratic Alliance. Now, of course, you know, UPA is Congress, NDA is BJP. That's how it is in the central government. But don't let the names deceive you. There's still, you know, like some interesting things to like uncover in this case. So let's start with the UPA. So the UPA, of course, like I said, is comprised of Congress, Indian National Congress, you know, who's kind of like been pretty dominant, relatively dominant in the state politics, you know, throughout the years of existence, you know, union territories, years of existence. And then we have, of course, the DMK who is, you know, dominant as well, you know, next door in Tamil Nadu. And, you know, Pondicherry, the majority of Pondicherry is, of course, Tamil. So, of course, you know, the DMK would be able to, like, you know, play a pretty significant role in the Union territory. And lastly, you know, we just have, like, three seats, 
little seats allocated to like, you know, the CPI, the PCK, and one independent candidate. And now for the NDA, we basically have, you know, the BJP, of course, and, you know, like the state next door, the AIA DMK, but here's where it gets a bit different. Now we have another party, and it's called the All India NR Congress. Now, the All India NR Congress is actually interesting because I think, you know, since their inception in 2011, they've actually been a really prominent player in Pondicherry politics. So, of course, the NR in this case stands for N. Ragaswamy. Essentially, he's basically somebody who used to be a chief minister for a long time in Congress. He was basically the chief minister from 2001 to 2008 as part of Congress. But in 2008, he's kind of forced to resign because of like an, an internal issue. But basically, after that, he started his own party, the All India NR Congress. The NR, of course, is his name, N. Ragaswamy. And he became a chief minister that way from 2011 to 2016, when he lost the election once again to Congress. So yeah, like I said, you know, it's like this party is basically, you know, since its inception, has been like a really prominent player. And it's basically the main opposition in the Union territory. And it's basically, you know, the BJP's, you know, like main ally in Pondicherry. The same way, for example, you know, that the AIA DMK is the BJP's main ally in Tamil Nadu. Because, of course, you know, like I said, you know, what I've, like what I've been saying is that, you know, in southern India, the BJP on its own is a hard sell. That's why they need these local parties to, you know, to even have a presence to begin with. But anyways, as you might have known, in case you don't know, basically elections for these kinds of like legislative assemblies happen every five years. Now, as I said earlier, you know, the last election happened around 2016, where, you know, the Congress won, basically. But currently, Pondicherry doesn't actually even have a government. Instead, it's actually under president's rule. Now, this is another thing which is, you know, pretty, you know, unique to union territories and tends to happen more often in union territories than in states. President's rule essentially is when the central government says, we will take direct control of the state, basically. So, you know, there is this loophole, essentially, that's, you know, previously been used I'm not saying, you know, it's news in this case, we'll get to that. But basically what I'm saying is that, you know, this is a loophole, a constitutional loophole, essentially, that's been used in the past to basically, you know, like topple governments which have been staunchly opposed to the center. So, for example, when the AIADMK won in Tamil Nadu, Indira Gandhi imposed president's rule in Tamil Nadu and basically made it so that elections were held again, which the AIADMK won again. And in Kerala, for example... When the CPIM, the communists, took over the state for the first time, President's rule was again imposed in order to topple the government, and there was another election, and they and the CPIM won again. But basically, you know, so it's you know usually it doesn't really work, but that's basically how President's rule has been used historically, and you know in this case, yeah, Pondicherry is under President's rule. But okay, so like, so why? So basically, what had happened was basically the Congress government you know, from the previous election, basically collapsed. So, to begin with, you know, prior to this whole drama, they basically had 18 seats, you know, which is pretty, like, pretty just, like, it's, like, literally nothing in, like, a bigger state. But in Pondicherry, 18 seats matter, because it only takes 15, really, to, like, well, no, actually, it takes 16, 16 seats to actually form the government. So, they have 18. It's a pretty slim majority, but it's enough. So, basically... What had happened was there was 
one MLA who basically resigned from the party. And then af- and after that, it basically created this cascading effect where four more Congress MLAs ended up resigning and even one DMK MLA resigning. So basically, in essence, within two months, the Congress went from 18 to 12. And like I said earlier, it takes 16 to make a government. So basically, they don't have a government. They don't have the majority. And so, you know, the opposition, you know, seeing this, took the opportunity to, to do a trust vote, basically, with to say, you know, like, you don't have the majority, you don't have, you know, like, the confidence, basically. So, you don't have a government, basically. So, after that, of course, you know, they failed the trust vote, obviously. And then, basically, after that, you know, the chief minister at the time, you know, and Narayana Swami, who is, like, a prominent figure in the Pondicherry Congress, basically had to resign. Now, there's two prevailing theories, basically, as to why this whole episode happened. So, the one theory is something I alluded to earlier about the power that president's rule basically has over a state and like how it's been used in the past. So, basically, there's a theory that the BJP, being in the center, deliberately sabotaged Pondicherry, basically. Deliberately sabotaged the Congress government in Pondicherry. And, you know, they... And president's rule is essentially just like they were, one, directly taking control, and two, you know, collapsing government. Not that it really mattered because, you know, elections were going to happen in a few months anyway. I mean, it did make the Pondicherry Congress look really bad and really disorganized. So I guess they scored points there. But basically, yeah, so they have president's rule right now. And basically, the way people say they did this was basically through their lieutenant governor, Kiran Bedi. So, like I said earlier, you know, like, Union territories tend to have something called a lieutenant governor, which is essentially, you know, the difference between, like, a president and a prime minister. So, you know, that sort of relationship, it's something similar in the states and in the union territories. But in the union territories, these people appointed by the center tend to have a lot more power. So, basically, there was an allegation that, you know, through Kiran Bedi, who is a member of the BJP, basically through her, and through the three appointed MLAs in the Legislative Assembly, who just so happened to be BJP, See, that's how they kind of, like, play around with the appointed members in union territories too sometimes, where, like, they would assign, you know, like, the central government's party, essentially. And, by the way, this is worth noting, those three appointed MLAs are the only BJP MLAs in that whole assembly. What they basically did is, like, they kind of stalled progress in, like, a lot of the legislation that was passed, and they kind of, like, tinkered here and there, and, you know, and the state party basically was, like, you know, like, trying to, like, sow dissent within congress ranks you know like getting people to like resent leadership and things like that so you know then like a big biggest example of this is you know like a namasivayam basically who's like a prominent member of the congress in pondicherry basically defected to the bjp and you know it's like him and like one more mla who is like his supporter or something like that but basically you know like there was two little literally two defections to the bjp and like everybody else just resigned so it was just like mess, basically. So that's one theory. Now, the other theory essentially states that, no, it's like basically the governorship of V. Narayana Swami basically is just unpopular to begin with. You know, he's, you know, some people view him as like a bad chief minister. It's, you know, it's very like unorganized. You know, the fact that he can't even like hold his MLAs together and, and, and like most of his ministers. And these are like ministers too, by the way, who resigned. So this is a big deal. So basically, you know, the fact that you can't hold them together, the fact that, you know, that they all just kind of left, you know, it kind of like it's a really bad picture on him. And not plus add to that, 
you know, like, he's not exactly, like, flawless either, because, you know, he's basically a gaff machine, is what I get the impression, is the impression that I get, you know, where, you know, he keeps, like, making, you know, public, he keeps making statements, which, uh, you know, which, like, lands him in, like, a lot of hot water, and it's basically, in the end, you know, like, after all of that, after, you know, his subpar governance, and basically after all, you know, like, six people from his coalition resign, basically, he ended up being, like, more of a liability than a benefit. So there's that theory as well. But in terms of, like, being more of a liability and things like that, that's basically, like, like the case. So, you know, like I said, you know, he resigned right after as chief minister. And basically, you know, like, within the Congress roster of candidates, you know, one Congress is already contesting in less seats. So they've contested, it was 21 in the last election. Now they're only contesting, like, 14. You know, so that kind of shows that they're kind of, like, giving more weight to the DMK, who's contesting in 13 this time, 13 seats this time, to actually, you know, take more of the control, probably because of this whole episode. But, you know, basically, you know, like, V. Narayana Swami basically got exiled. He's not in, like, the list of candidates. He's not running, basically. And, but because of this, you know, with just how, like, mess, messy Congress is right now in Pondicherry, and remember last week when I said Congress is also messy in Kerala, but basically, you know, with how messy the Pondicherry Congress is, you know, there is no clear chief minister candidate right now. It's like, and like, so basically, you know, nobody in voting for Congress, nobody really knows, you know, who they're voting for, what sort of governance, what sort of vision they're voting for. Because, you know, one, it was probably, it was really sudden that, you know, that the government collapsed. And like, I'm pretty sure because of that, they probably couldn't even come up with like a better campaign strategy and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, basically the only person I can think of is maybe like, like head of like, the state congress party which is like av super money up basically so you know he's like yeah he's the head he's the only person i could think of who might be chief minister but other than that it's just like nobody it's not really clear who will actually take the mantle after you know the whole v narayanan swami debacle basically but you know that does that's not to say that you know the bjp and the AINRC, you know, don't have their own little rift or, like, if there's any other issues in the NDA. So, you know, for example, of course, you know, like, being the All India NR, Naga Swami Congress, of course, Naga Swami would be the chief ministerial candidate for the NDA. But, you know, I think it's like, as of now, the BJP is kind of reluctant to back him. It's just, like, how they are. I mean, when Edipati Balaswamy was declared as the AIADMK chief minister candidate, they were, it also took a while to actually declare him, declare their support for him. But, you know, but that, that's just kind of like how BJP is. But, you know, it's like, maybe it's a rift. We don't know. And, you know, at the same time, there's also the other issue of, like, you know, now that, you know, like, there's actually, like, prominent Congress defectors to the BJP. And to be fair, you know, like, in northern India, in eastern India, this happens a lot more often, whereas like prominent people from Congress, usually mostly Congress, but sometimes other parties too, where prominent people from these parties, from Congress basically, you know, went over to the BJP and essentially becomes a prominent figure within the BJP, kind of essentially threatening like the leadership that's already there. And in this case, you know, we, we could see if a Navasivayam becomes more ambitious, we could see him you know, like, playing a more prominent role in the BJP in Pondicherry in the coming years. So there's that threat as well in the long term. But, anyways, going back to this election. So what do the polls look like? And, you know, mind you again, this election happened. We'll get to that in a bit. But anyways, 
So what do the polls look like for this upcoming election? So basically what's set to happen is that the NDA is set to win about 21 seats. And the UPA is only going to win about nine. So of course, you know, this is based on like what it looks like. This appears to be an obvious rejection of voters to Congress's failure to keep itself together, to govern properly and things like that. So, you know, it's like you could say it's part of like a wider national rejection of Congress, but I don't, I kind of doubt it because, you know, Bondicherry is like essentially the last Congress dominated stronghold in the South, basically, you know, like. Congress is part of the alliance in Tamil Nadu with the DMK and things like that, but you know, like as a prominent partner, well, their only their only stronghold is Pondicherry, basically. So, you know, for the voters to really reject them like this, it basically means you know they've really had to like royally screwed up, which they did, by the way. And at the same time, it also maybe points to like you know an increasing prominence of the AINRC, you know, or and the, and also maybe even the BJP, because I mean like. Who knows? You know, like I said, you know, the BJP is trying really hard to make inroads in, into the Deep South. They've already done it in Karnataka. So basically now, you know, the door is basically open. You know, South India is not completely impossible for the BJP to win. But the Deep South could be really difficult. And, you know, that's what they want to do here, basically. And, you know, what's really interesting, that's kind of a pattern that I'm noticing. And maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, this might get broken in the next election. Maybe not. But what I'm noticing is a sort of consistent anti-incumbency. So basically, since, you know, Anuraga Swami won his election in 2011, you know, basically, you know, they've, they've kind of been like flip-flopping parties. So, you know, so you have Congress, then you have the AINRC, then you have Congress again, and now you set to have the AINRC again. So, you know, if, you know, this trend holds true, we could see again an, an emergence of an anti-incumbency trend where, you know, Congress previously has kind of like had hegemony, like a monopoly over the state politics. We'll just have to see what happens. So, now those are the polls. What do the, the, the votes actually look like? Well, I mean, in terms of choosing a winner, the votes are correct. And, you know, the NDA, you know, is slated to win a majority, but a slimmer one than what was predicted. So it's not as high as 21, maybe like 18, maybe as, as low as 17, 16, but they're, they're basically home in government. It's kind of like set right now. And, you know, whereas, like I said, you know, so I guess like Congress, you know, I guess like didn't lose all of their support through this whole debacle. But, you know, it's like basically they're, they're going to be in the opposition. And basically whoever rises up as the leader of the opposition probably will become the chief ministerial candidate in the next election. We'll just have to see what happens there. But anyways, so that's, basically what's happening in Pondicherry and you know basically just to close off you know this whole series it's definitely been really interesting you know just to go through all of these different dynamics and things like that you know it's like we started off in the east you know with their own like dynamics and then we went down south and looked at their dynamics now what in general what makes this election this these sets of elections really interesting for me is basically just like the fact that you know these are two regions basically where the BJP have been trying to make inroads so you know like Uttar Pradesh you know like even like Maharashtra and like Rajasthan to some extent and these places and things like that you know they've kind of like followed this like largely like you know a similar trend where it's like yeah you know you kind of see an increase in like BJP prominence basically you know you've kind of like seen like this really big rise in BJP but in the south you know like 
the highs, you know, hasn't really been all that spectacular. And in the East, it might be spectacular, which is why it's interesting to watch. But anyways, so, you know, that's basically it. You know, like we've covered all five, you know, elections that I wanted to cover. And I think it's like in two weeks when the results come out, we'll do a quick little episode on that. But, you know, I haven't had like the next next slate of episodes planned yet. But I assure you, you know, the thing is like, we're going to try to diversify things a little bit here. And like, and if you're, like I said, if you're clamoring for that, don't worry, your time will come. So, I mean, anyways, you know, if you're listening on Spotify, you know, like, like you know, follow the podcast. And if you're listening on YouTube, as usual, comment, like, and subscribe. So that's all I have for you today. All right. Bye.